Please open your Bibles to Joshua 24 this morning, and we will see that the Lord is good all the time. Joshua 24. We're learning why we can all say, I love Sundays. We're learning how to live more balanced lives by living at a better pace and rhythm. Our first week, we learned that Sunday is the best day of the week, according to God. Last week, we learned that good Sundays make better Mondays. Why? Because God designed Sunday for a day of rest, a day to refocus, and a day to refuel. Sunday is a day for faith and family and rest. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, I want you to know that in this five-week series, welcome, but you can also catch up and you can go to the church website. If you go to the church website, VAPT or thecaringchurch.com, come over here to media, click on that tab, and you'll see Sunday mornings, Sunday nights. You can also go to the mobile app. So for an iPhone, a Droid, a tablet, if you download the Valley Forge Baptist Temple app, and then up in the left corner, those three lines, if you click on that, It'll bring you to uh, all kinds of tabs and options, and you can go to watch, and then you can go ahead and click on Sunday AM. If you want, again, if you want to catch up in the five-week series last week, you can see in the week before. And so that's just a great way to be able to uh, use your time wisely. When I travel distances, sometimes going to hospitals out of the area, I'll go ahead and, and uh, listen to messages I don't listen to my own messages. I listen to other messages. But you can listen to, uh, uh, to uh, messages from here and our staff or put on the Bible. I, I, I mean, otherwise, you just turn on KYW and you kind of hear the same thing again and again. Like the weatherman, he doesn't know what's really going to happen. And, and the bad news is always the bad news. And half the time you listen, it's, it's just commercials. And so if you want to make those drive times profitable, you can go ahead and uh, pull up that app. Uh, on your phone and be able to listen and, and grow in your faith. Now, today we're going to explore how a good Sunday can help improve your life and can help improve your family because better Sundays make better families. Watch. Sundays. I love Sundays. I love Sundays. I remember growing up, Sunday was my favorite day of the week because after church, we'd all go do something fun as a family, like go to a museum, and then do a big family dinner. A few years ago, my son was invited to play on a traveling soccer team, and we would spend every Sunday traveling back and forth between games and tournaments. It took a really big toll on our family, so we decided the following year to eliminate sports on Sunday. It's a day of rest and a time for our family and a time for God, and it's made a huge difference in our lives. I love Sundays because we get to go to Grandma's house and have dinner. I wasn't a perfect kid growing up, but my parents were committed to keeping God first and staying connected to the church. But I know that because of the commitment my parents had to go to church and keep our family together made a big difference in our relationships growing up. And I know that helped me make better decisions growing up and avoid some of the problems that my friends faced growing up as well. Sundays because we get to go to church and then we get to do fun stuff afterwards. I hope you can say I love Sundays. Last week we learned from the prophet Isaiah that God said 
your life will be better if you choose to call the Sabbath a delight. Isaiah 58, 13. You see, you, you get to choose your attitude. You're the only one that can choose your attitude. There in your notes, you see that? You get to choose your attitude about church, about Sunday, about God, and about the Christian life. And today, your outlook on life, your outlook is either positive or it is negative. When you look at a glass half filled with water, what do you see? Is it half full? Is it half empty? Which one represents you? Which one represents your attitude? Which one represents your outlook on life? I'm asking you, are you a positive person or are you a negative person? Now, the text I'm about to read to you, you have to understand that Joshua was surrounded by about a million people. I mean, they didn't even see the glasses half empty. They saw, uh, they saw it as completely empty, except for Moses and Caleb and Joshua, the only ones, over 20, whom God used. And Joshua and Caleb are the only ones to enter into the promised land. Now, if you're a negative person, I can tell you right now, you're not going to like this message because I want to show you a picture uh, of how positive I am. I'm so positive that the glass on the right side represents me, all right? Uh, I have a positive outlook on life, and it is because of my faith in Jesus Christ that gives me this positive outlook. Now, you get to a computer, and the computer freezes up. What do you do? You, you wait for it to kind of begin again, and, and some of you might wait 20 seconds, and you might wait two minutes. Some of you might wait 20 minutes, but, but if the thing's froze, it never happened to you? Well, sure it does. And so the tech guys tell you this. They tell you to do what to it? Turn it off, turn it on, reboot. And many times it'll fix itself. This is Sunday. Sunday is your reboot. It's your reboot day. Would you please stand with me as I read to you from Joshua chapter 24, a familiar verse for many, Joshua 24 and in verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Would you say that last phrase with me? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It doesn't matter if you are a teenager or single or married or engaged, with or without kids at home, empty nest or retired. God brought you here today to hear Joshua's resolve. As for me and my house, the people I influence, family and friends, we will serve the Lord. May we pray. Father, thank you for this time we have to to hear from Joshua. Help each one of us to apply it to our lives that we will be so committed with resolve that you will be first in our lives every day as long as we live. Father, if there be one that is not yet saved, speak to their heart. May they see that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And receiving his free gift of eternal life, they can be born into your family. 
Strengthen each Christian, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Better Sundays make better families. I know it's true. I've lived it. When I was almost five, my dad passed away of cancer. I have just a few memories of, of living with my mom and dad together. As a kid, I knew what it was like to live in a single-parent home for a few years. Then we moved to San Antonio, Texas. We had no relatives there, but we did go to church. But it was not a church based upon the Bible. My mom, who is here this morning, mom, if you just raise your hand, she's down here in the front row. Uh, she's from Virginia now. Uh, she remarried there in Texas. I was then a part of a blended family. I lived it. I understand it. Again, we were in church, but not a Bible-based church. When we moved to Virginia, we, were, we, were, we went to church a couple of times, but we didn't connect. And you know what was true 40 years ago is true today. When people come to church, I mean, even unbelieving, unsaved people, when they come to a church, they're looking for a friendly church. They're looking for a friendly church. And there's a lot of folks, both in the early service and in this service, you're, you're new. You're new here. It might be your first time, your second time, your fifth time, your tenth time. But I want you to know you are welcome. You're welcome, and we are glad you're here. And so you who have been here longer than that, you need to make them feel welcome. It is important. It was important then. It's important now. And because we weren't made to feel welcome, we just, we just stopped going. So we were out of church for, for several years. After a few years, a co-worker led my dad to Christ, and we finally went to a church where the Bible was taught, where the Bible was preached, where it was taught. And it made a huge difference in our family. And because of church, I personally discovered as a teenager that better Sundays make better families. Now, fast forward to 1993 when, when my first wife died of cancer. Now, I'm on the other end of this. I'm the single parent of two boys. I was in this single parent family as, as a child. My brother and I were. And now I'm the single parent. And I began to realize what, what my mom went through 30 years earlier as a single parent. After college, I was uh, doing an internship at my home church, and I was the uh, uh, singles uh, uh, teacher and, and uh, director there, leading that class. And one of the guys, his name was Nevin. Uh, Nevin went with me on a visit, and we're driving there through Alexandria. And as we were talking, he said, he said uh, that he was from the Harrisburg area. I said, me too. I, I lived in Middletown. And then he said that his dad died when he was young. And I said, me too. And, and then he said, yeah, my mom put me and my brother in the Hershey School for Boys. I said, oh, not me. Uh, it didn't happen to me. And, and then it hit me. It hit me. I understood and admired my mom for not shipping my brother and I off to the uh, Hershey Home for Boys when, uh, when she was widowed. Well, when I became a single dad, uh, what made the difference was church. It was our church family here at Valley Forge Baptist Temple. You, you walked with me through the deepest trial of my life. I discovered then, during that time, 
as a single dad that better, better Sundays make better families, even single-parent families, even blended families. I know. I understand it. I lived it twice. Some say, oh, the pastor has it so easy. Wonderful, wonderful wife, great kids. He doesn't understand my life. I've got problems. I've got real problems. No, I think I understand real problems. I live with an alcoholic stepdad. I know problems. And I know that Jesus Christ is the answer for your problems. And your problems may have been bigger than mine or less than mine, but Jesus Christ is the answer because God is greater than your problems. Last week I told you about getting engaged to Jody 20 years ago this month there in Toronto. And then, and then Jody came down here for uh, Valentine's weekend to, to meet my family, uh, to meet the staff and the church family. It was, to this day, it's still our best attended sweetheart uh, banquet that we ever had, a Valentine banquet. And a bunch of nosy people wanted to see who the pastor was going to marry. And uh, so as, uh, uh, again, she hadn't met anybody. You see, we got engaged before she met the boys. We got engaged before she met my family, like my brother and sister-in-law, and go ahead and raise your hands. <laughs> That's why I wanted to get engaged before <laughs> she met any of the family. It was truly just a step of faith for her to say yes to me. But now it's, it's going to be Valentine's weekend, and she's going to come down, and, and uh, she's going to visit. And she said to me, she said, well, what if the boys don't like me? And you know, I remember that conversation with Nevin. And I said, well, here in Pennsylvania, we have a Hershey home for boys <laughs> that they can be shipped off to. And uh, now, now, she knew I was joking, but she told me later, she said, you know, I knew you were joking, but it just reassured my heart that uh, I was going to be a priority uh, in your heart. And so, God has wonderfully blended our family together and added three more to our family. So my family, both growing up and my family now, is better because of Sundays. I can testify that to you today. Now, every, every single one of us need to have the resolve that we see here in verse 15. To say with Joshua, as for me, even if you're single, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Single, married, widowed, divorced, with or without kids at home. I mean, you just, you just draw, you draw a line in the sand and you say, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And if you're going to make that resolve, if you're going to make that commitment, if this is going to be a goal of your life, I promise to you today that you're going to have an obstacle, an enemy. Satan and his demonic host will assault you to trip you, to trap you, to lie to you, to deceive you, to oppose you, and to stop you. And so you're going to need some help you're going to need a, need a lot of help. I know. And you need Sunday to help you. Now, the Jews had the Sabbath, which was Saturday, but the Christians 
We have the Lord's Day. We have, we have Sunday. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to give you God's plan for your family. But before I give you God's plan for your family, you need something else. Do you know what you need? You need God. You need God. Look with me in your notes. Your greatest need in life is Jesus. Your greatest need in life is Jesus. I mean, you need Jesus in this life. So many people are looking for love in all the wrong places. Jesus Christ can give you true love. He can give you God's love. Only he can forgive your sins. Not a sacrament, not a priest, not a pastor, not a church, not a baptistry pool. Only Jesus can forgive your sins and bring you into a living family relationship with God the Father. Now look with me in the bottom of page one. The songwriter said it this way. The world may try to satisfy that longing in your soul. You may search the wide world over, but you'll be just as before. You'll never find true satisfaction until you've found the Lord, for only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Yes, only he can change your heart and make you whole. He'll give you peace you never knew, sweet joy and love and heaven too. For only Jesus can satisfy your soul. You need God. You need Jesus. You need to trust him. And when you do, the Holy Spirit of God will come inside of you, and the change begins on the inside first. And so you need, you need Jesus Christ in this life, but you need Jesus Christ in the next life. You need Jesus Christ in the next life. You will die. You will die and your soul and spirit will leave your body. Now, let me just say it as, as plainly as I possibly can. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, that's hell, but have everlasting life, that's heaven. This is the truth. When you die, your soul and your spirit goes to heaven or goes to hell. There's no in-between. There's no going to sleep. There's no going out of existence. You say, I don't believe that. Well, you will one day. You will one day. And today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to receive the good news that God loves you, that Jesus Christ died for you. The one who told us more about hell than anyone in all the Bible is Jesus Christ to warn us not to go to that place. But God gave us a free will, so the invitation is given to you. And so there you see in your notes, believe on Christ and follow him equals heaven. Reject Christ and do not follow him, it equals hell. I cannot say it any more plainly. This is the truth from our Savior. Once you ask God to forgive you of your sins, once you receive Christ as your Savior, once you put your faith and trust in him and only him for your salvation, not sacraments, not good works, not baptism, something very special happens. God comes into your heart and into your life. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and then the Holy Spirit of God whispers through your conscience, uh, prompts you, prods you, nudges you to do the will of God. That voice is the voice of God, not a mysterious voice. He speaks to us 
through the word of God. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The only way that you can see God is by receiving Jesus Christ as your own Savior. So that's the first step. You need Jesus. Now, secondly, God's plan for your family. You can find it in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3. I asked several folks this week how coming to church on Sundays have affected their families. And and the first answer that I received was this. By coming to church, I learned what our roles and responsibilities are in our family. Now, before I give you what God says, you need to know that this is for everyone everywhere. It doesn't matter how difficult your family members are to you. Now, if they are committing crimes, if they're physically abusive, you call 911. You call 911. But I'm telling you today that that if you have a family member, a husband, wife, son or daughter, brother or sister, mother or father, and you would describe them as cantankerous. Isn't that a great word? Now, you might have 20 other adjectives to describe them. We're just going to say they're cantankerous. Pastor, you don't know how cantankerous they are, but God does. God hears your voice. God hears your cry. But now I want you to hear God. I want you to hear what God says. And so this is God's plan. This is God's voice. What are the roles for the family members? First of all, is husband and father. And it's loving leader. Loving leader. Men, our memory verse for the month is, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Ephesians 5.25. And so what I want to do is give you some bullet points. And I literally have dozens of verses that will back up these bullet points. But it doesn't matter. You say, but pastor, my wife is cantankerous. And 20 other adjectives. But here's what God says. Love her. What does that mean? There in your notes, love her with all of your heart. Make her the top priority in your life, second only to God. Do not demean, criticize, find fault, or abuse her. Put her needs before your own. This is the voice of God. Do the right thing. Secondly is the wife and mother role. Respectful partner respectful partner. But pastor, my husband is what? What's the word? Cantankerous. I mean, he is cantankerous. And you have 20 other adjectives to describe him. But Ephesians 5.33, the voice of God is, and the wife see that she reverence. That is the word respect her husband. Uh, It doesn't matter if you've been saved a year or two or 50. It doesn't matter if you have a place of spiritual leadership or not. God says you need to show him respect. But he's cantankerous. Sure he is, but you married him. You said for better, for worse. That's who you got. What does it mean to show loving respect to your husband? Look at the bullet points. Love him with all of your heart. Respect your husband when talking to him and about him. Make him the top priority in your life, second only to God. Support and follow his leadership. Do not, with a capital not, do not demean, criticize, or find fault with him. This is the voice of God. 
Now understand that, that as mom and dad, uh, there is that passage that, uh, that Ephesians 6, 1, or 6, 4, that parents are not to provoke their children to wrath. But pastor, my kids, they are what? They are cantankerous. doesn't matter if you got cantankerous kids. You need to love them. You need to train them. You need to discipline them. You need to be patient with them. And God says, provoke not your children to wrath. Now look at the next page there, and we see that God has a word for the young people, for children, for teenagers, for singles who live at home. Honorable followers, honorable followers, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Even the unbelieving experts agree, and now I will quote them, that parents are expected to be the leaders in the family and the children are expected to follow the leadership of the parents. You'll find that on healthychildren.org. I'm assuming that is written by unsaved people. I mean, even the unsaved people agree with God that parents are supposed to be in charge at home if your children are living at home. What does that mean? How does that come out? Well, honor your parents with respectful speech. Honor your parents with respectful speech. Obey their instructions. But my parents are what? Contankerous and 20 other adjectives. They're unreasonable. And God says, obey their instructions. Learn all the lessons they offer you. Show your gratitude daily for all they do for you. This is the voice of God. If you want to have the favor of God, if you want to have the blessing of God, if you want to be right with God, then you want to be able to follow God's plan for your family. Now, how? How does Valley Forge Baptist Temple help your family? I want to try and give you a visual look of how better Sundays make better families. I have five children, two adults and three teenagers, and I'm speaking from experience. I need help. I need lots of it, lots of help. And this is what our church family does for me. It, it gives me help. I mean, even from bringing the babies home from the hospital. And I want you to see here in your notes, beginning with the nursery ministry, Sunday school and children's ministries, academy, and our, our HEAP program for homeschool parents to bring their kids over for chapel and, and, and for field trips and, and uh, master clubs for the children and youth ministry and, and teen camps and teen mission trips and parenting classes and marriage classes and, and having prayer together. Uh, our teenagers have the great opportunity to go on teen mission trips stateside one year, uh, out of the country every other year. You know, we could say that the teenagers of America are spoiled. But we could say that about the adults too, couldn't we? Couldn't we? And you know, we can say, eat your broccoli because there's starving children in Africa that would love to have that broccoli. And we can say it, but it doesn't really, it doesn't impact them. But I'm telling you, you support your teenagers to go to a foreign mission trip and they go to Venezuela and they go to Dominican Republic and they go to Honduras and they see, Jeremiah said, mine eye affecteth mine heart. And they see how other families are living. They see the living conditions. They see the food. They see the dirty water. They, they see the poverty. Now, I'm talking about real poverty. Not what we talk about in America, poverty in America. No, no, I'm talking about real poverty. And when they go and they see that, they all of a sudden understand how good they have it, how blessed they are. 
And they can also see that in the deep poverty, many of these people, teens, children, and adults, can many times have a joy even without all the stuff that we have. Now, here's a picture of what your family looks like without church. A family without the support of a church is is like, you know, I'm all by myself. I'm just hanging on by a thread. And you hear people say, I don't know how people do without the Lord. Well, they, they don't. They don't. You can see the statistics bear this out. But when a child dies, do you know, do you know what happens to that marriage most of the time? It breaks up. That, that's not true in church. You see, the Lord makes the difference. Better Sundays make better families. So this is a picture, a graphic picture of what your life would be without Sundays, without a church. Do you know what this next picture is? What is this a picture of? Can you tell? It is a picture of a single boat pulling 145 water skiers all at the same time. Now, how many of you water ski? Would you raise your hand? How many tried water skiing? (laughs) Four years ago, they broke the world record for most water skiers pulled by one boat in Australia. And so what happened is, from all over the world, 154 men and women came to water ski shoulder to shoulder. Nine fell, and the boats behind them were there to pick them up. And 145 were able to water ski for one nautical mile. Why do I show you these pictures? Because... The 145 who made it that skied the mile, it's a picture of our church. What a picture of the power of a church. And the, and the ship represents the church, and here all of us are. There is strength that comes from a church family. Young people need the strengthening hands of others. Yes, yes, God gives children, teenagers, to the parents. But parents don't own the kids. God owns the kids. The government doesn't own the kids. The public school system doesn't own the kids. We belong to God, and we're on loan for our parents for about 18 years. But parents, you can't be the only influence to make a difference in your kids' lives. If you think, oh, I'm just going to isolate, move to the mountains and homeschool, it's not going to work. You need help. I need help. And so you have the parents, but then you have, you have grandparents, and you have relatives, and you have a pastor and a pastoral staff, and you have youth leaders, and you have friends. You want them to have godly friends. You want them to have deacons. Last Sunday night, I talked about the uh, influence of godly deacons on my life as a teenager, and we'll talk about that again next Sunday night. This is what you need. You need the strengthening hands of others that comes through church. Now, which do you want? Which do you want? Do you want the strengthening hands of others to help you, to help your family? Or you want to go it alone? 
I don't want to go it alone. I want your help. We need to help one another. And so I asked a couple of folks this question. How has coming to church affected your family? And I, I put the answers in your notes. Follow along with me. Coming to church changed the fabric of our family. It drew us individually and as a family to the Lord. It molded our children into the adults they are today who love and serve the Lord. Coming to church drew my husband and I closer together as a couple. If we had remained in a denominational church in our unsaved condition, we probably would be divorced today. Coming to church taught my husband and I how to be a committed couple to be loving parents, to be stronger Christians, to be loving relatives, caring neighbors, and concerned members of our community. Another one wrote me, Valley Forge Baptist Temple is a Bible-believing church filled with the love of Christ and pastors that lead by example. We have been blessed more than words could express by being here with godly friends and wonderful opportunities to serve the Lord. They said more about the pastors. I cut it out. Upcoming events to help you. We have the Pure Truth Conference with evangelist Ben Shadler. There's a teen, teen parent meeting on March the 2nd, March the 3rd. All teens are invited. I'm talking about the public school, homeschool, the academy kids uh, for that one-day conference. And then March the 9th is the kickoff date for the Conquer Purity Series. Teen boys and men will be in the chapel. Teen girls and ladies will be here in the auditorium. Uh, six weeks, not consecutive, but it starts on March the 9th. You need this help. I need this help. You need to be able to help others. You say, I don't normally come on Wednesday night. Well, this is six weeks. You should come. You really should come. It will help you. It'll help you to help others. We have a meeting with Bill Cobb, U.S. Postal Inspector. He'll speak to the parents April 3rd and the teens on April 10th in a teen meeting on internet safety for teens. They need to know what's going on in our area. They need to know about the arrest. They need to know about the dangers. Now, let me give you a picture. We need, we need to understand that we are preparing our children and teenagers and grandchildren for spiritual warfare. So here's a picture of the, the Marines in their boot camp training. We don't take our soldiers and give them a gun and say, go fight in battle. It's not what we do. We send them to boot camp. It's rigorous. It's difficult. They learn obedience. They learn to obey authority. They learn how to take a gun apart and put it back together. They learn how to shoot. They practice. It's, it's warfare. There is an enemy that wants to destroy America. We are in a spiritual warfare according to the Apostle Paul. We are in a spiritual warfare according to Jesus Christ. In John 10.10, he says, you have an enemy. If you have an enemy, that means you're in, you're in battle. You're in battle. And Jesus Christ teaches us how to be able to prepare for spiritual battle and to put us through spiritual boot camp. Ephesians 6 talks about the spiritual armor we're to be able to put on. We're engaged in spiritual warfare, and we need to be prepared. We need Sundays to prepare us for Mondays in the next six days. Let me give you a picture when we were unprepared for the attack by the enemy. December the 7th, 1941, we were unprepared. Oh, we had the ships. Oh, we had the airplanes. We were attacked 
We were unprepared. And I want you to know that, that 2,400 Americans died in one Sunday morning. Another 1,200 were wounded at Pearl Harbor. Why? We were unprepared. We weren't on guard. We were not alert, on high alert to the approaching danger. So it is today. When a 30-year-old dad is more interested in playing video games than reading to his kids or playing games with them. When a 40-year-old dad won't give up watching television, uh, sports, to talk to his son or daughter. When mom spends more time on Facebook and texting than engaging her children. When a dad stays up too late Saturday night uh, uh, TV, misses church on Sunday, he's abdicating his role of spiritual leadership God gave to him. But Joshua said, not me. Not me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It is God first. It is God first. I don't care if there's a million Jews that have God second. For me, it's going to be God first. Too many men want the rewards and privileges of manhood, but only want the responsibilities of boyhood. They want intimacy with their wives without loving them with sacrificial love. They want to be respected by their kids without investing in them and disciplining them and modeling Christ-likeness in all the other family relationships of love and forgiveness, getting along with extended relatives. This is our role. This is our responsibility. And the kids are watching. You want a promotion at work. You want to raise at work, but you don't want to work hard with integrity. And so you come Sunday, and you get help, and you get hope, and you get encouragement. And yes, sometimes you get admonishment. Let's apply it. Number one, make Sunday family day. Make Sunday family day. Dr. Howe Seed, author, wrote, anchor your Sundays in church, then continue spending quality time together at home and beyond. Make it fun. Take time together. Build time for connection with your family's personality. Play and seek balance between scheduled events and the freedom to relax. Number two, talk about what you are learning. Ask questions. What was the most interesting thing about the message or class lesson today? Uh, who were you a blessing to at church? Who can we pray for today? I mean, talk about it. Talk about it. Share it with others. Post it on your social media. And don't miss what is offered to you. Last week, we had the minute to win it. I, I was sitting in the bleachers uh, in front of a bunch of children. They were having a blast. On the way home, uh, some of my teenagers said, what a, what a fun night. Sundays, Sundays can be a fun day. I meet with God. I fellowship with God's people. And yes, you can have, you can have fun together in God's house. If you have kids and teens, you are making their future memories now. I'm talking about the memories that are going to go with them for decades. You're making them now. So don't miss what's offered. And so, just a couple weeks ago, our teenagers went on a ski retreat. Here they are. I mean, there's like 93, 94 teenagers and the youth leaders, and they went skiing and tubing and uh, snowboarding, and nobody went to the hospital. I mean, it was a great, great time. They're making memories. They're making good memories. Yesterday, we had the uh, uh, Pine Car Derby. 
and the kids and the dads worked on their cars and had a big crowd out. The next slide, you see them, uh, parents taking the videos. And the next slide, I think we have some kids there uh, doing the racing and making good memories. You have to take advantage of what's being offered. Don't miss what is offered. And then number four, serve together. Find something to do together. This is what Joshua said is for me and my house. We will serve. We will serve the Lord. He said, I don't know what to do. We'll visit a widow. Visit a widower. Sing in the choir together. Serve in the nursery. Our teen girls, if they're 13 and in seventh grade, they can serve with the mom. Go on visitation. Serve in the bus ministry. Community blitz. Clean the church on a Saturday. Do something together. One of the great things about God is that his mercies are new every morning. So it's never too late to start. And if your kids are still in the home, start something with them today. If your kids are grown or you have nieces or nephews, call them today before the sun goes down and tell them you love them. Be a spiritual influence. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you notes, I love Sundays because Sundays are so helpful for families. Let's pray.